Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Okay, Penn State football fans, we are rolling. I'm Bob Flounders, joined again by Daniel Gallen. It's the hat trick for Daniel and I. Blue White Breakdown podcasts from lovely and warm and humid in Tampa, Florida. It is warm out. I'm not complaining. I don't want to be back in Harrisburg anytime soon. I'm sure it's not freezing there, but we're actually in Daniel's hotel room. We're being professionals. Happy hours approaching. We're, we're just all we're doing is hydrating. We're not doing anything up until happy hour. I got after it a little bit last night at a really cool bar called Dead Bob's Two. It's Bob's Two is T O O. Any Penn State fans that are coming down that'll be in Tampa for the Outback Bowl on Saturday, either before or after the game, if you're in like downtown Tampa, do yourself a favor. Uh, look up Dead Bob's Two either before the game, after the game, Friday, Sunday, whenever it is. Take a stop there. It's well worth your while. Good food, affordable, outdoor bar, indoor bar, sports are on, gamble your faces off. You'll, 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 be, you'll be thanking me later if you go to that. I might go there later today. I was there last night. Had a great time. That's it for my endorsements. Daniel, I hope you're holding up well. We just had a chance to meet with a couple of Penn State players after their Thursday practice at Jesuit High School. I looked it up on MapQuest. It's really close to Raymond James Stadium. 1.2 miles officially from Raymond James Stadium. We got to talk to Mike Yursich. Uh, AD Sandy Barber was made available. We'll get into that. We have a shout out to a veteran member of the Penn State Media Corps who is, it's his final assignment of his career. He's retiring. We'll get to that very late, Daniel, in the podcast. Um, we're going to give our Penn State Arkansas picks. We'll start with some player thoughts and some Mike Yursich thoughts. But how are you doing? You've had a pretty good few days down here in Tampa. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, you you can't argue with the weather right now. It just feels it feels no. great. I'm not a big humidity guy. Yeah, uh, but I'm not built for Florida. Uh, but mm-hmm. after being here for a while, I'm you know I've really liked it. It's been a good change of pace. Went out to dinner last night mm-hmm. with a former colleague from the Baltimore Sun. Beautiful uh, uh, at Cigar City. Uh, had a great great dinner. Uh, obviously that's cigar city. Is that a brewery? It's a brewery. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's Tampa's, uh, I think it's probably Tampa's most famous. Brewery. I didn't figure you for cigar guys. So I'm like, what's the deal <laughs> with cigar city? Uh, but no, it's been good. And I think that we had, we had some, some solid availability today. We did. We did. I agree. Uh, before we get into that, I just have to say, I would, you know, whenever you get an availability and you get a chance to see the Penn state team, even though they're missing like 50 guys who opted out, I always get like at the beginning of the season, I got my first look at this Penn State team at like the very first August practice. I always just kind of like 
for new faces and new guys. I don't recognize their numbers. What's going on? Right away, I was like, who is number 80? And that was Malik Mega, mm-hmm. who, like, talk about passing the eye test as far as his physical specimen. And he, you know, he, he started to come on late in the year. Young player from Canada. But this guy, he's, he's listed at 6'4", 200. He just looks like, you know, one of those guys that, you know, when he figures it out, he's just going to be a problem on the field. And that still may be true. Penn State is going to miss Jaquan Brisker. And when you look at Jaquan Brisker on the practice field or on a game, he is just a physical presence at safety, right? This guy, Jalen Reed, I don't know what they fed him at Penn State this year. And I, I actually, before we we started the podcast, I, I just checked to see what he's listed at. This guy, I thought he was an outside linebacker or a defensive end, number seven. Six feet, 209. There's no chance he's 209 pounds. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He is built like an outside linebacker. He looks bigger to me than Curtis Jacobs. If this guy, as he gets better, could play to these physical measurables, like just watch this guy. And I just couldn't believe how big he was. So Malik Mega at the start of the year was a guy that was like, wow. This guy could be something special. He might be. Jalen Reed looks like a monster physically. So those are my those are my shares for the Penn State fan base. And I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen Reed yeah. in, the, in this game. But I think he's a guy that could really, really be a good player at Penn State. Yeah, I think uh, I've listed in pretty much everything. I've said Jalen Reed is a guy that you're really going to watch on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I assume that he'll, he'll start next to Jair Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, Keaton Ellis will obviously yeah. rotate in there. And... A little other lineup nugget uh, from today. Daquan Hardy said that he's been working at safety, uh, the nickel corner. So interesting. Yeah, that's a. I think a little kind of late season. Switch I did not there. see him as a safety just because he's a talented cover guy, but he's just not the biggest player. But I mean, we've seen him come off the yeah, off the corner on the blitz. blitzes. He's not afraid to mix it up and run support. Um, he's definitely one of those one of those five nine guys that mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be on the wrong side um, of someone like that. So. Yeah. Um, I think that the safety position will be interesting because Tyler Rudolph, Enzo Jennings went out the door transfer portal. I was filling out a two deep last night to sure help out our, our colleagues in Arkansas and Jonathan Sutherland is a, is a linebacker now. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves you with Brown, Ellis, Reed, and then all walk-ons. Right. So I think that moving emergency hard, safety. Yeah. Like so Hardy. who knows if the, the Hardy thing will stick, how long that'll be. Um, I have some audio of him talking about it that I need to listen back to. Um, but that's kind of a, an interesting little twist, and obviously there's been a lot been, a lot been made about the linebacker situation going into this game. Right. But I think that what what they're doing on the back end behind them at safety, I think is is really interesting, and mm-hmm. and one of the things that from this game that'll be more indicative of next year. Whereas with the linebackers, you know, you're moving Jesse Lucetta around, you're moving Jonathan Sutherland right. around, you're moving Curtis Jacobs. That's kind of a we're doing this for right now. But some of these changes back at safety, I think it could be a lot more for down the road. And this could be a lot more foundational for that group going into next year. Yeah. Don't be surprised if next year in um, when the spring roster comes out, they list Jalen Reed at six foot one, 215 pounds. I'm telling you, this guy, I could not, I did a double take. I'm like, there's, I know there was two number sevens on Penn State's roster, but the other guy was smaller. So Jalen Reed, I'm telling you physically, Holy mackerel. I just couldn't believe how big he was. We'll see if it translates in the Outback Bowl against Arkansas Saturday at Raymond James Stadium. But I just think physically that's a guy I definitely would keep an eye on, not only Saturday, but in 2022 as well. Uh, Mike, your search was made available. I know you had a chance to talk to Sean Clifford. And one of the guys you're very high on in this game on the defensive side, linebacker Curtis Jacobs. 
just starting with Mike Yurcich, what jumped out uh, the most to you when he was? He probably was only asked five or six questions. So what jumped out to you? Yeah, I think that uh, what he said about Olu Fashanu, uh, I think that stood out to me because he's yeah. another guy we're expecting to see a lot yeah. of. Uh, Sean Clifford also had uh, some complimentary things to say about him and his athleticism. Right. Um, but, you know, he seemed pretty complimentary of Fashanu. Um, he was asked about uh, to look back at the Illinois game, uh, which right. a couple weeks ago on Bowl Media Day, uh, he was talking about that on Zoom. The Zoom got cut off. He was in the middle of a very, I think, um, illuminating answer about how he felt about that performance. Stupid Zoom. I think he referred to it as one of the most embarrassing or one it of was. the worst of his career. Oh, yeah. He declined to uh, elaborate um, on that. He said he wanted to, to focus on this task at hand, even though he also had some good things to say about uh, quarterbacks Bo, Bo Prabula. Good and job on Drew my pronunciation. Allard. Yep. Drew Aller coming in next year. So just kind of hit, hit the bases um, about kind of where this team is, guys that are going to step up. They miss Jahan Dotson's leadership and mm-hmm. play on the field, but it's part of the game, and this is the time for some of those younger wide receivers to really step up. Now, here's my question for you, and I think I think you're going to agree with me. Do you think had James Franklin not have been literally 20 feet away, he was waiting for Mike Yersich's 10-minute uh, press conference to conclude, and we'll get into why, but he was literally within earshot of anything Mike Yersich could have said. Do you think that might have influenced Mike to maybe not revisit maybe some damning comments he would have made about the Illinois effort, the 2018 nine overtime loss in which they scored 10 points in regulation. They actually had 10 nothing in, in the first half, were shut out in the second half. Do you think knowing that James was right there, he might have maybe, hey, the smart thing is let's just dial it back. Let's just focus on the bowl game. You think there was any influence there? I think there was. I don't know. I think that Yersich is, is one of those guys where when he gets focused on something, I All think right. that that he pretty hone, he pretty much hones in on it. Yeah. And I think that right now he's focused on the bowl game and I think that that's kind of where his where his mind was. I mean, his framing was that like, well that news conference which was literally called bowl meeting. It was like 3 weeks ago. Yeah, he was like, well that was for looking back. This is for yeah. for the bowl game, which, you know, whatever, but yeah, yeah, that's his right. If we could track him down immediately after the Outback Bowl, let's just say hypothetically after the game Saturday night and we we take him to Dead Bob's too, that bar I just shouted out and just said, hey, off the record conversation, Mike, we're going to buy, Daniel and I are going to buy a couple of cold ones. Whatever you say, it's going to die with us. Do you think he would vent? I guarantee you we'd get some really good insight into just how miserable he was probably during Illinois week. They had to make a tough call with Sean Clifford, who was not healthy, probably based on what they saw from Taquan Roberson two weeks ago because there was a bye week in between. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out, Taquan Roberson's now a UConn Husky. Yep. Um, s- some more info for the blue-white breakdown uh, listeners. But I, I bet you we, we could if we got Mike, and I'm assuming he's from Ohio and he seems like a guy that might enjoy a cold one or six, that he might, he might just give us some insight. And we'd be totally off the record, but we could kind of laugh about it. But you're right. In that setting, he probably did the right thing, especially with James Franklin waiting uh, and listening to his 10 minutes. I just thought one thing was interesting because I'm not sure what it was, but he talked about Malik Mega being slowed by an injury. Yeah. Didn't say what it was, but, you know, it's a receiver. And he said, you know, with the the kind of injury he had, sometimes even when you think you're healthy, you don't play to the level. And to me, without speculating, and I'm sure some people actually know what it was. I would imagine he's known for his speed. It probably was a lower leg injury or a lower body injury. Um, that probably because you don't really trust 
uh, an issue that you have to overcome right away. So that would be my guess on what, what ailed him. But uh, kudos to Malik for kind of starting to look the part because he certainly looks like he could be a dominant player at Penn State. But they have been burned by physically imposing guys at wide receiver who have just – who never panned out for whatever reason. Justin Shorter, Irv Charles, you know, even Saeed Blacknall. So they've had a lot of big receivers – not actually kind of they, they they show a flash of something and then you, they're never really heard from again so i thought that was interesting that he said you know what kudos to him physically and mentally for getting back into uh the flow in one season he's a raw project project kind of receiver played in canada so we'll see all right let's let's move on from mike yersich your guy curtis jacobs i'm a big fan of curtis jacobs as well you're you're calling your shot i think you're gonna i think you think he's gonna have a big game against arkansas he better have a big game against Arkansas in that run game because the other linebackers are pretty inexperienced. What did Kurt, what did you like about what Curtis Jacobs maybe had to say? He's very loose. He's very, you just love Maryland guys, don't you? (laughs) Let's just, you, you are a Maryland Terp. Uh, You know, Maryland very well, but you know, I think you just have a little bit of a soft spot for Maryland guys. True or false. Uh, he he wins McDonough. They beat us in cross country every year. They, okay, they finished ahead of us at, at championships. My senior and your, year. Your high school was we were John Carroll. The okay, John, the John Carroll School. Uh, okay, Bel Air, Maryland. Got uh, it. But no, I mean, I think that he's he's very loose uh, yeah. with us. He's very honest. Um, like, he's also very fast, like yes. stunningly fast for somebody two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, I mean, him playing out in the field uh, this yeah. year was was a lot of fun to watch. It was. Um, so. I think that he'll move into that Brandon Smith spot. He'll be playing in the box. He'll be closer up there, but he'll be in a position to really kind of make some plays. And mm-hmm. I think that that will be that will kind of be interesting to see. He'll be he'll get to be around the ball a lot. We know that Arkansas is going to run the ball, whether it's with their stable of running backs or with quarterback KJ Jefferson. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of close combat almost uh, in yeah. the trenches, and also with kind of what is in front of him on that line, I think that there is going to be a lot of plays to be made at the second level uh, with what Penn State is going to be trotting out there at defensive tackle, at defensive end. Yeah. Um, I think that that'll probably cause, um, you know, it could be another big tackle game for Jair Brown. Um, I think that Jacobs will have plenty of opportunities to to make stops um, at mm-hmm. that second level. So I was just thinking about this. When Penn State uses Zariah Fisher at defensive end, Arkansas's quarterback, who has just been a weapon as a dual threat all year, 21 touchdowns, only three interceptions, although Traylon Burks is not playing, but also a huge factor as a runner, and especially, I think, in the red zone, because you look at how good they were in the red zone. The guys, is going to be tough to stop. So when Zariah Fisher is in the game, Daniel, eight of Penn State's starting 11 on defense are going to be are going are gonna weigh less than the Arkansas quarterback. Mm-hmm. Is that not cause for concern should that not be because this quarterback what i mean he they list when they list you at 245 chances are especially after having a little time off he might be 250 mm-hmm. and none of the penn state linebackers weigh that although i think jalen reed could be 250 <laughs> pounds secretly it looks good on him but there's going to be times when eight of the 11 defenders uh on the penn state defense weigh less than the quarterback little concerning yeah, uh, I asked uh, Curtis Jacobs about KJ Jefferson and uh, yeah. and kind of that Penn State hasn't seen a quarterback like that this year right. with that combination. Yeah, I don't even really think Penn State played a 
a kind of a, a true dual threat quarterback this year, which is, is interesting in, in today's yeah, college football. The Auburn Bo Nix, nope. So yeah. yeah, I'm just going down the list that, and, and the, and that's, Oh, that Stroud kid refused to run. If he mm-hmm. would have ran in that game against Penn State, he would have had 100 yards. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. But uh, Jacobs, the first thing he said after I asked him about the size is he goes, he goes, well, he's Cam Newton sized, right? Which, not quite. Cam Newton, I think, is 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, he's like a supersized still... Will Levis is how I would describe him to okay. Penn State fans. Because Penn State, last okay. year when he played, Will Levis ran a lot for Kentucky. And Will is a big boy. Like, if you told me Will Levis is closer to 240 than I think they listed him at, like, in the high 220s, I'd say Absolutely. I'm telling you, if this kid is listed at 245, he's bigger than 245. So I think, I think that's the comparison, and I, I'm I'm actually excited to see how big this guy is. I'm very intrigued to see what this offense looks like. I think we talked a little bit about it yesterday with kind of Sam Pittman, mm-hmm. former offensive line coach, really kind of yeah. and kind of the you know the stereotypical attitude about wanting to run the ball and they run the ball well. They got some big guys up front, yeah. big guys in the backfield, so. I think that that'll be an interesting kind of uh, dynamic. And I think that Curtis Jacobs, we're going to see if at 230 pounds, how he holds up against a, a big quarterback like that. Got to hit him low. You got, don't hit him high. That's my, that, if Curtis Jacobs, if you're out there listening, do not try and tackle this guy high. Just use your speed and get in low, get in on his legs and wrap up. That would be my advice to Curtis and the, and Zariah Fisher for that matter, because mm-hmm. he is also, I think weighs less than Jefferson. So it's going to be, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. Let's talk a little bit more about Olu. Mm -hmm. I have been trying to just memorize the spelling of this name because I know it's, I just don't want to get it wrong. You wisely just call him Olu. I've been using like first name and it's, it's a little bit more than that, but Rashid Walker was pretty confident in him. And today we heard from Mike Yursich about him, what he likes and also Juice Scruggs. Uh, When I interviewed Juice Scruggs, he was asked about Olu and what he said is, and I know these guys are never going to say anything bad about yeah. their teammates, but this is a, this this Olu is six, you know, six six three thirteen. Another Maryland guy, am I right? Waldorf. Did you play against Waldorf? Did your school ever play against Waldorf? No, and and he Olu went to Gonzaga, and we only saw <clears throat> we didn't see the the DC private schools right. ever. We were we we're all the Baltimore private so, schools. So so you're such singled out him for his strength, and that's what you want to hear if you're an offensive lineman. But when you play left tackle, you're going to go against an elite. Edge guys. At yeah. some point, you're going to have to pass protect. So it's not always about strength. Uh, what Juice said is, look, he has not played a lot uh, at Penn State this year, but seeing him on the practice field has a chance to be a, not a good player, but a great player. And he said, he basically said, trust me, when he get when he gets a chance to show what he can do, Penn State fans are going to be really excited. Mike Yersa said, you know, the nerves are always a factor, uh, especially in a bowl game, especially on national TV. But Penn State's always on national TV. His translation for me was, look, he might struggle a little bit early, but once he gets his feet under him and he gets confident, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I asked Sean Clifford about Olu and kind of his confidence in him, having him on the blind side. And and Clifford highlighted uh, Fashanu's athleticism as yep. something that, that he really liked about him and, and something that could uh, really help them. Um, he's, a, he's a little bit more, I don't want to call him, Slight, but he's that kind of longer, yeah. longer type. Whereas Rashid Walker is a little bit, he's a, just little a bit giant. thicker. He's just yeah. a giant. Yeah. So it'll be. I think that the strength thing will be interesting to watch, especially for a redshirt freshman um, who you know has been in the program for a period of time. But right. There's still kind of the you're. It's always building with those offensive linemen. You're always building towards getting to that spot where you've been there for three, four years, and you have all that muscle, all that experience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm interested to see kind of where he is on, on that trajectory. And obviously next year, this offensive line could look a little bit different. Um, and he could be one of the pieces that could force it to look a little different. Between Landon Tangwall, Olu, Rasheed Walker has not said a word, so he's coming back. He's also hobbled. Caden Wallace, that's four. Des Des Holmes is out out of the picture. That's four offensive tackles. Scruggs can play center or guard. Uh, So, yeah, I I agree. Uh, Salim Warmly is a guy that, if he's healthy, is a guy that's going to be obviously in the picture. But, again, you know, it's going to be about results. They can talk all they want about these guys, but when you – when you average 3.1 yards per carry, when you give up the most sacks in the Big Ten in 12 games, you know, it's just, hey, we, we're tired of hearing about all these great four-star recruits that they bring in here. Just get off the ball. Knock somebody down. Don't be passive. Don't get stuffed by Villanova. So I think Penn State fans are probably, you know, there's a thing called COVID fatigue uh, out there. People are just tired of dealing with it. I think I think the Penn State fan base is tired of, of us being optimistic about the offensive line until they actually uh, just maul somebody at scrimmage. They're going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So hopefully Olu is part of the solution and hopefully Phil Troutwine will get his act together as well. I think he's got a little bit to answer for as well. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. We still haven't got to our game picks. Let's just talk a little bit uh, about Sandy Barber. Mm-hmm. She talked for a long time and she was asked at the, at the, at the, uh, at the start just about James Franklin's uh, this, the decision that went into giving him a, essentially a contract that will keep him could keep him at Penn State through 2031, but there's no way this, there'll be some revisions to this contract as time goes on. But what do you, what did you what was, you, was your takeaway from her answer to why what went into giving him the 10 year deal? Yeah, I mean it kind of it's it sort of made made sense to me. It was kind of pretty boilerplate in yeah. terms of. They, they like where the program is. They like what Franklin has done with it over his, his eight years here. And yeah. it was just kind of time that they were kind of in that position. You know, she wasn't directly asked and she wasn't acknowledged if the openings elsewhere, that USC right. job or anything like that, if that kind of spurred things into action. I know that in the statement that Franklin released after he signed it, he referenced that he'd been approached nine weeks ago. Which was, yeah. And then you could do some play. Helm got let there. go at USC. They yeah, started talking. It was just kind of, there, there's some stuff there, but you know, I think that she said that it's about kind of the, the commitment, the alignment came up again between president, athletic director, football coach. And um, yeah, I mean, it was nice to hear her uh, kind of talk about it, hear her answer the questions. Um, this is the first time she'd spoken to us. Right. Since August, she'd done some in-house media stuff after the Franklin extension and on signing day. But this was kind of the, the first time that, that she saw questions uh, from us. And anytime you get that from yeah. someone in that position, it's good. Yeah. And she went into a little bit of a detail about everything that James Franklin brings to the part, brings to the table for Penn State. I don't know. I don't know if she really realized when she said it, but she talked glowingly about what happened between 2016 up to 2019. This is going to be 2022. Yeah, 2020. He gets a mulligan. Everyone's giving him a mulligan for 2020. Deserved or no, I'm not sure. 0 and 5 start. They beat up on th- on four teams that weren't that good, including Michigan, which is now in the playoff. 
uh, to get to four and five. And they got a bonus game against Illinois. That would have been three and five. And, you know, Daniel, this year, five and oh start. Yes. But losers of five of the last seven very well could be losers of six of the final eight. We're going to get into our picks. So if you're a, I mean, I understand why Penn State fans are like, yeah, great. 2016 through 2019 were special. Also, you had Saquon Barkley. You had Mike Kosicki. You had Trace McSorley. Oh, and you had Micah Parsons in 2019. Yep. So, you know, it's great that he had that four-year run. It is. But we're getting further and further away from that four-year run. And if they, when they open at Purdue and they go to, uh, they go to Auburn in week three, Anything could happen, but they start one and two, man. The pe- there's going to be some howling. There is going to be some howling. So it is a big picture investment. And yes, he's done great things at Penn State. My advice to James and also to Sandy is don't start one and two in 2022 because mm-hmm. it's going to get a little bit messy. Yeah. I mean, I think this year too, we, we had this exact yeah. same conversation where we were like, they're coming off a four and five yeah. uh, season. Start quick. Yeah. You've got Wisconsin and Auburn in two of the first three games. You don't want to be one and two. Obviously, he hadn't just signed yeah. a 10 year, $75 yeah. million dollar contract. Um, but this is, this is where it is. It's, it's the business and he's got to show results now. Does, do you think James Franklin and Jimmy Sexton, his new agent, who by the way became an, he talk about stepping in at the right time. Jimmy Sexton made a lot of money. I thought in Guff should they both have sent Graham Mertz a Christmas card? <laughs> because that fast start, man, as great as Penn State's defense played in that game, Graham Mertz single handedly kind of it's not a fast start if Graham Mertz doesn't literally hand them the ball a couple of times in the red zone. I know I feel like I'm beating up on Graham Mertz, but that was maybe one of the worst games I've ever seen a quarterback play against a Penn State team. And he did it at home. Mm-hmm. He did it at home. So I think a lot of things went into that fast start, and I'm getting a little bit sidetracked. But 5-0 and could have easily not been 5-0 and if it wasn't for the Mertz effect. There was such a small margin for error in all those wins uh, yeah. early on. I mean, say, Even the Auburn game. Yeah, the Auburn and Wisconsin game, but they were both one-score games that where they got some good plays late. They got some key turnovers. Yeah. and going up against teams that were close to their equal, I think the Penn State really had a slim margin for error. And after Sean Clifford got hurt, it just magnified things. And they started, and since he wasn't as sharp as he was, those little mistakes kind of added up and some other things happen. And that's how you get to 7-5 and five from 5-0. Five and oh. All right. I think this is the time to give the shout-out to uh, one of the Penn State beat writers. Who's, it's his final event. And he's done it for a long time. We're going to get to our picks. But Joe Giuliano of the Philadelphia Inquirer, very talented writer, a very hardworking writer. He's He's been doing it for a very long time. He's covers Villanova basketball. He's covered Penn State football. He's just And he's a, just a tireless worker. He doesn't even I, – I think he might be close. He's either in his late 60s or approaching 70. He looks great. Like he – his energy, um, his work ethic, I admire so much about Joe – and, you know, today, both Sandy Barber recognized Joe for all he's done uh, with his coverage of Penn State. Just a, ve- a genuinely nice guy, very hardworking guy, very talented guy. And then, you know, James Franklin was 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 kind of waiting for Mike Yersich's press conference to end today. So he could kind of, before we got to the player interviews, he just said, hey, just real quick. He gave him a uh, like a, a gift Penn State football uh, with his name on it. And he also said it was the media actually helped as well. I don't know that we did. But we certainly appreciate everything that Joe has done. He's just been 
just I really have enjoyed. He, I always sit fairly close to him in the press box. I just respect him as a professional. I respect his talent, and he was kind of singled out. It's been a it's been a nice run for Joe. I don't know how much you've gotten a chance to know him, but I just think he's one he's one of the better things about the Penn State football beat. Definitely someone as a younger reporter, you like to watch work. Sure, and you kind of you hear things and see things and you, you learn from someone just kind of by how they go about things. So definitely a, a consummate professional. Yeah. I'll just say this, Joe Giuliano. I know you don't listen to the blue white breakdown podcast. You should have, but if anyone, if it, if it gets back to you, I just want to say, I hope you have a long, you enjoy your retirement. And I hope it's about very long retirement. You enjoy it. Kudos to you. Let's move on now, Daniel, as we get to the final minutes, let's lock it in of this third in three days. Uh, so let's get to the game picks, how you see it, maybe a key to the game for you. I'll give you my key to the game. I'll let you go first. I have a funny feeling. I'll just say this. Penn State Open is like a four-point favorite. I looked today. It's almost up to two uh, by Arkansas, one and a half, two. I thought it would be actually a lot more given all all of the people who have opted out, including on the defensive side. Derek Tangelo's out. Jaquan Brisker's out. Brandon Smith's out. Ellis Brooks is out. Arnold Ebiketti is out. There still might be another opt out by the time we're done with this, and also Jahan Dotson is out. Give me, give me your thoughts on Penn State, Arkansas. Give me your score and why the game is going to play out the way you think it will. The Penn State defense—it's a heavy lift for them. It is uh, against this Arkansas offense, and especially given the players they lost and the positions that those players play. Yeah. So I think that it's going to be a tough day for the defense, but at the same time. Penn State played pretty much everyone close this year. They played everyone tough. Yeah. Uh, the games never really got away from them. Right. A lot of that had to do with these players that aren't playing. I don't know. I don't have the impression that this team is really, really checked out or anything like that. I think that the young guys that are going to get their shot, I mean, they haven't really played that yeah. much. Um, so I think it'll be a good opportunity um, for them. And I think that some of these guys we've talked about, Jalen Reed, um, Kalen King, they're going to get their there's no way he's two, there. There's no way he's 209 pounds. <laughs> I don't mean that he's – I'm not saying he looks bad. I, I'm just saying the guy – he's one of those guys that – he's the first guy off the bus guy. I would pick him and Malik Mega, first guys off the bus. It was Brandon Smith. He's no longer here, but I just can't believe how big that guy is. <laughs> yeah, but so I think that players like that, they're going to step in. They're going to get their chance. They're going to try to yeah. make the most of it, and that might lead to some – mistakes some less than sound play with the inexperience but i think it'll make things fun i think it'll make things interesting and sean clifford's healthy he feels good Mm -hmm. i think that's a boost for the offense especially with what we saw down the stretch and so i think it i think penn state will keep it close but arkansas is going to be too much on the ground arkansas 27 penn state 24 yeah i i just i had a pick in mind at the start of the offseason when i when i first learned they were going to play arkansas that was before all the opt-outs, but I've learned my lesson. I'm just going to stay with my pick because every time I change my pick, it always bites me in the backside. I wasn't, I wouldn't have changed it that much. I'm picking Arkansas to win the game 24-23, and that's a conservative pick with all these opt-outs. I just, I'm, you try and make sense of it, Daniel. They were Penn State, except for the Michigan State game. They were so good in the red zone defensively. But the reason they were so good in the Renzo, red zone was because of the players who have opted out. Exactly, Jaquan Brisker, you know Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, uh, Derek Tangelo. Even P, uh, PJ Mustaver wasn't an opt out, but you know when he went down in the sixth game, that changed the defense a little bit. I just don't know if they have enough. Uh, live bodies, experienced bodies to play great red zone defense because really. 
that was their calling card on defense. They would give up yards between the 20s, but they were always really, really good in the red zone. And I, I and this is a this is an Arkansas team that is built to thrive in the red zone. They have a veteran offensive line. They have two or three runners they really like, and they have that quarterback. So when short yardage, they're gonna they were gonna be tough for Penn State to deal with if those guys had not opted out. The other thing is Penn State in the Big Ten, their high in points I think was thirty one, and that was with the Jair Brown pick six at Maryland. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't score thirty points with Jahan Dotson. On the outside, he had almost 1,200 yards. Unless there is is a flurry of turnovers on the Arkansas, and they did not turn the ball over, I think, a lot mm-hmm. in the SEC. I cannot make a legit case for Penn State to win. I'm only picking it close, but I don't – and I know a lot of Penn State fans like that. I don't see how you don't bet Arkansas in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, and as much as the defensive losses hurt, they weren't that great of an offense with Jahan Dotson, and they're not at Beaver Stadium – I, I don't know how they, they're going to make this work. I called it 24-23, but I think, honestly, if you're going to bet, I think you bet Arkansas with a little bit of confidence, and you hope some young pen, players for Penn State have their moments. It's not about Sean Clifford. It's about Malik Mega. It's about Jalen Reed. It's about, you know, Devon Ellis and Gazai Izzard kind of hold trying to hold up against this rushing attack. You know, it's about your guy, Curtis Jacobs. There, and it's about Olu. It's about a lot of things are going to have to go right. And I think that's just to keep the game close. 24-23 for me. I think all of the Penn Life uh, people, our man Joe Hermit picked Arkansas. You're picking Arkansas. I believe Dave Jones is, is picking Arkansas. Yep. Stranger things have happened in a Penn State bowl game. But it's going to take something weird, I think, for Penn State to win this game. They certainly have the talent. They're just short on some really talented bodies. As we wrap this up, I know it's. I know people are so. You guys always pick against Penn State. Well, how do you pick Penn State to win in this situation? I don't know. And it's Thursday afternoon. They could still have another opt out. They really could. So I just don't see it. Yeah, and if they win, it's impressive. It is great. It's, all... it's a feather in the cap of the yep. coaches. By Gearsich, you know, uh, Anthony Poindexter gets to call plays. Maybe he'll have some new wrinkles. They just don't. When the quarterback. For Arkansas, weighs more than eight of the 11 starters on the defensive side, and he can run the ball. It's a problem. So I just – if they all those guys were back to play in the game, I don't know they would pick Penn State to win anyway. So conservatively, I say Arkansas is going to win by one, but I could see a scenario where they win, you know, by double digits. Let's call this one the final blue-white uh, breakdown podcast of 2021 by Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we're wrong. I hope we're wrong. I really do, because that's a really good sign, I think, for what Penn State can do moving forward. But if we see them not run the ball, Daniel, and there's no one to stretch the field on offense, and that big quarterback gets hard to tackle in the second half, it's thank God it's the first of many bowl games for this weekend, especially on Saturday, because I wouldn't be too depressed if I'm a Penn State fan if they lose this game. If they can just hang close, I think it's almost a win. All right, Curtis Jacobs is your guy. Yep. I'm a little curious about Jalen Reed now that I saw him up close and how big he is. This guy could be a freak. So we'll see if we're right, but I hope you guys enjoy Saturday. I hope it's a competitive game. There's a lot of things that are lining up against this Penn State football team, but we've been wrong a lot this year. Let's leave it at that. You guys have a great weekend. Go ahead, Daniel. Take us out. Happy New Year, and talk to everyone on the Blue White Breakdown in 2022. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.